Welcome to Under Two Capes. I'm Jared, and today we have yet another guest interview. This time we have uh, Max MVP Presley. Max, welcome to Under Two Capes. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion tonight. Uh, but yeah, like I said, thank you for having me on, and uh, should be fun. Exactly. So normal. <laughs> so as you know, if you watch my interview with Wes, I have a couple of icebreaker questions for you. So let's get into those. Number one, what got you into comics? Ooh, uh, so great question. Um, for me, it was, I, I thought, I, I walked into a comic store thinking that it was just a toy store. Uh, you know, <laughs> they had all the action figures on there. And then I saw the dollar bin just filled with, um, you know, like image comics and, and Top Cow and X-Men stuff. And it was just these like gnarly big like beefy dudes and like these action moves and like just having these great fights and so I was probably like eight or nine at the time and just started like picking up everything I possibly could and just grabbing stuff from the dollar bin or the at that point it was like the quarter bin it was like 25 cents a, a comic and I'd just go through them and I'd read them and, and I'd have <clears throat> you know have friends over and we'd look through them and stuff um and then after that I just uh, over, over the years it just became something that I could use and as escape and as something that um, I just really enjoyed the, the stories and the characters and you get so enveloped in these storylines that um, you know you, you just you, you fall for the characters and the teams um, and the writing uh, and mostly the artwork I was obsessed with the artwork as well um, and so yeah I just found it to be one of the best storytelling mediums other than like movies um, and just really fell in love with it so over the years as I matured my reading matured and I, I went through different, you know, um, like instead of just single issues, I would go through the omnibus or I would get the trade paperbacks or, you know, hardcover formats and I would just flip through these things and, and then it turned into statues and then you have the room yeah. that looks like this, you know, so uh, it, it, your, your hobby just kind of evolves over time, but sorry, that's a very long answer to just say no, no, no. I started reading uh, yeah. as a kid. I sort of started, uh, I started w w with trades because that, that's generally mm -hmm. because the way I, I want to start, I want to start having a complete storyline. And mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I'll just start with trades. Then I just recently got the omnibus for, for Grant Morrison's JLA. And I figured that'll take me about yes. a couple of years to get through because that thing <laughs> is like, that thing is like the, uh, has like the girth of the Bible. So I'm like, oh boy. And it's heavy too. I mean, like it just, trying to read it like your arm gets tired because you're like it's so heavy and you're trying to flip through the pages but that's a great run man I, it's it's so uh, good because it's it's got kyle rayner as a green lantern which you don't really see too often in in mm -hmm. justice league so uh um but yeah great run and and i, I think i actually yeah i have that um yeah you have it too over here as well yeah i don't know if you can see the little um my favorite there. line uh, my favorite like well, so far, my favorite scene from that is when they're fighting the White Martians and Batman finds out they're White Martians, so he just draws a circle and gasoline around them, lights <laughs> it, and then goes, let's go! <laughs> and I'm like, that is so Batman. It's a great tactic, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, you can't, uh, can't beat it, so love it. All right, question two. DC or Marvel? Ooh, um, that's tough, man. The... I think I would have to say Marvel. Um, I think DC, if they if they use utilize their characters like like they did with Marvel, DC would blow uh, Marvel out of the water every single time. 
you know, like we're talking Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, those three alone could take the comic book industry by storm and no one would have a chance at trying to beat them. So I think DC has the most potential, but I think Marvel has done the best with the characters that they have. The problem with DC, and I talked to Wes about this, is that they really, you're right, they really don't know how to properly use like their, because let me put it this way, when you think of DC, you think of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. but they don't use, I mean, when was the last time we had a truly memorable Wonder Woman run? Which is sad because after the movie, right? she, she's like this huge superhero. Yeah. But it's like, well, first off, they have to stop changing her origin because one moment she's like the, the child of Zeus. Another moment she's like molded from clay and brought to life by Zeus. And I'm like, okay, can we just get one solid origin? Then we can, <laughs> then we can get to having really good stories. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the one that I would always equate it to is the George Perez run. Um, and everyone, I, for, from what I've heard, that's like a definitive Wonder Woman story that like, that, that's a long run of Wonder Woman stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like everyone kind of forgets. And like you said, her, her origin has been changed so many times, that there's really no definitive, like, if you need to read Wonder Woman, like you need to go to this story. Um, so yeah, and, and I think she's such an underutilized character um, that yeah, she could really do some damage. I mean, she she really is the equivalency of a Superman for yes. female superheroes. Um, so it, it's it's unfortunate that we haven't had a storyline or, or something like George's Perez or George Perez's run. You know, since then, like you said, especially because when the movie came out, everyone wanted to pick up Wonder Woman comic. So. It's kind of funny how it had the opposite effect with Captain Marvel in that the movie comes out and not a lot of people are fans of Captain Marvel. And I'm like, well, that's understandable because really Marvel has really like, I think turned a good character in Carol Danvers and kind of like made her not really that much of an appealing character. I mean, she technically killed Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. She was the villain behind like Civil War II. So I'm like, can you stop? That's my problem with Marvel. They keep character assassinating their characters, like with Iron Man in Civil War One, Carol Danvers Civil War Two, Captain America in Secret Empire. So I'm like, oh <laughs> come on, guys, punish her every time he shows up and kills a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, um, the the difficult thing with the Carol Danvers that is now Carol Danvers from Marvel is she's she has no character. She has no. Um, like she has no personality. It's just this stoic block that um, no one can relate to, no one can see themselves in. Um, she has no relatability. And I think that is, I don't know if that's necessarily the writers or the editors or whatnot, but they have just made her this generic, strong hero, you know, and, and there's nothing really defining her or separating her from the rest. Um, whereas like in previous years, we've, we've seen that characterization of her, but, um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, Marvel really likes to kill off their characters. Mm -hmm. DC started to do that once they realized that it worked really well, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, unfortunately, you know, yeah. I think the problem, the problem with Carol Danvers and the problem with Marvel, it's not really a problem, but it's the advantage DC has over Marvel is that Marvel was trying to have their version of Wonder Woman. (laughs) And when you think about it, most of uh, Marvel's, like, well-known female characters they didn't have the rights to, like, Storm, Rogue, Miss uh, Susan Storm. So it's like, they had to go with Carol Danvers. But my problem with Carol Danvers is that when you look at her history, 
it's been kind of, uh, it's not the best, i.e., and I've mentioned this in the podcast, her technically sleeping with and being impregnated with her son and then giving birth to her son in that <laughs> Avengers 200 storyline that I told that to my co-host and he's like, no, that's not a real storyline. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you would be surprised. Like, if you told a normie or someone who maybe doesn't read comics or maybe even doesn't watch the movies, but if you were like, yeah, you know, um, Scott Lang, uh, like Ant-Man, you know, um, he definitely beats his wife. You know, in one of those comics, he was like one of those, uh, I, I think, think he, Pym. or sorry, yeah, Hank Pym. Sorry, that that was uh, uh, my bad. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, you, you realize that and you go, oh my God, that's awful. You know? <laughs> and these are actual storylines that have happened. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite uh, quite in interesting to see like when you read some of these old storylines and you're like man that's that's a real thing and then you tell someone else and they go that's not real and you, you got the proof right there my co-host lad he's a huge spider-man fan so when i told him about uh norman osborne sleeping with gwen stacy i thought he was oh, gonna have a heart attack dude that <laughs> like who who's editing these books that they let <laughs> this get by Wait, did uh, did Nick Spencer just retcon that in the most? Yeah, thank okay, God. All right. He yeah. had to. <laughs> okay, thank God. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? I was so I was so worried that that was going to become just can't, like now everyone knows now that this oh is a, a thing. So um, Nick probably set out. He was like, he probably knew. He was like, listen, these are my final issues on Amazing Spider-Man. I got to go out with a bang, and I'm, yeah. by, by doing so, I'm going to retcon this thing. So, which is as smart. far as I heard, it was a great run. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and DC is is guilty of this too because back in like Dark Knight Returns, just um, the Death of Superman era, they wanted their edgy story for Wonder Woman. So their idea of this, and I think it was like Mark Millar jokingly, he was not serious about this, recommended let's just do a storyline called The Rape of Wonder Woman. Oh and DC, God. wait, wait, it gets worse. DC legit thought he was serious and started work on this storyline. I'm like, what? What? Why do I like the sad thing is that there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I can see them doing that, you know. Yeah, and that's like, particularly nowadays. Yo, yeah, for sure, for sure. That that they wouldn't understand the irony behind it or the implications that that how awful of a story that would be you know yes and people just take it as gospel and they just say oh good, yeah 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 well, we should we should start looking into writing that it's like no no no, no. <laughs> that's i mean we saw yeah. the reaction when john ridley had superman raped in prison that yeah i mean and he's like, still the heck so, yeah to this day uh, even in the article that because uh he spoke to um there there was an interview that he did and he spoke to one of the gentlemen and said you know, like it was never my uh, intention of doing this or um, I, I kind of hinted towards him. He like never explicitly said this is what happened, but he quoted by saying, you know, we needed something to happen to Superman that would mentally be demoralizing to him to where he would never be able to recover from this. And I was like, oh, so that's that's essentially what you did to him in prison, like in that internment mm -hmm. camp, like you for sure raped him. Yeah. And he, he won't outwardly say it, but I'm fairly certain that like that was that was his intention the whole time. Which um, is interesting is that there's an easy way to mentally like snap Superman. Just make him believe he killed Lois Lane. We saw what happened in Justice. That worked. 
make him believe he killed anyone. I mean, Superman's exactly. weakness. Um, everyone says that Superman's weakness is kryptonite, which it is. However, his like real weakness is the fact that he wants to save everyone. And the unfortunate thing is he can't, you know, there, there are going to be casualties, but he, he, because he's, he is, has such human traits and human qualities, he feels empathy and compassion. And so when someone dies on his watch, he feels like it's his fault. And, and especially like with Lois Lane, the love of his life. Um, but uh, there's the run um, with, uh, I want to say it was, uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and uh in yeah in in the there it was just two issues and in one of the issues i think uh, lana lang was mm-hmm. was killed and he like snaps like when mm-hmm. when she when she when he finds out that she's dead he absolutely snaps and is about to just like you know go go crazy on everyone um so that is a way to kind of get to superman's vulnerability other than kryptonite um and like you said it would be a mind game if they did that they don't have to you know <laughs> rape him in, in in a in a prison camp that's like that, it's very lazy writing one yes it is and it's very um it's it's not creatively there's no creative integrity in that you know exactly. um so it was very unfortunate to read that issue and then later in the issue you see him like uh, envisioning him, like just absolutely murdering the, uh, uh, the 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 gentleman who had or the guy who had you know put him in the internment camp in the first yeah. place, and that was also against Superman's character. Like he would never he has rage, but he would never go so outwardly as to just murder someone in cold blood. Um, so I, I think John Ridley got the character all wrong, not just because oh of the internment gosh, camp, but. On so many different levels too. Yes. Did you read? So DC did like a storyline for their online game called D, D, uh, called uh, D, DC Universe Online uh, on, uh, Legends, I think. And in that, he kills Lois Lane by accident because Brainiac like d- does something to make him lose control of his powers. Mm. A he he straight up flies through Brainiac's ship, k- kills him. It's not actually Brainiac; it's a drone. That's. Mm the way to always do comic book they just books it and, and basically pulls a batman v superman and just, just goes brooding in in space so i'm like you could have done that in other words there's 80 different options you could have picked before you settle on that yeah 100 percent. like and this was also on and i think you mentioned this before on like what editor would allow this to go through exactly the the, the, pro, the vetting process of like they read that and they're going, yeah, that looks good. Let's print it. You know, <laughs> it's like, particularly if it's the character that started your whole company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? I, it, he's the, well, I want to say he's the flagship to DC, but at this point in time, it, it really is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all the solicits came out and like <laughs> 8,000 8, Batman books and like a couple of Superman books. Yeah. It, which is so unfortunate because like, it's, you know, I, I did a live stream uh, the other day with uh, Nerdette's newsstand and um, there were a couple other panelists on there and we were just basically talking about it, are more like with the sa- oversaturation of Batman titles, is it going to hurt the other characters titles or is it just going to make the sales go down on, on DC like as a whole? Um, but yeah, well, I mean, have, have you been, are you a big like 
Batman? Uh, are you more Batman or Superman, or have you been? I'm more I know Superman. Been well, okay. well, I'm I'm more a fan of all the Trinity. Except here's the thing. So, I'm a through and through D, um, D, DC fan. I also like Marvel, but DC is like where I got my start. How I got into comics because of the J Justice League animated series. Yeah. So you could so yeah that was some quality entertainment right there brother so like, good dude yeah. i'm like i just started re-watching justice league from the very beginning and i'm like where why can't we get more stories like this instead of <laughs> superman being raped in prison this is so much better yeah. but anyway it really is yeah my problem with, with what dc is doing is that dc has so many amazing characters how i have the character encyclopedia that's like 500 pages of like every character dc has and, but it's all Batman books that they're putting out. And my other point is that I recently watched the, the video that you put out with, I think it was Reggie Collects on, uh, on mm -hmm. wokeism and diversity in comics. Great video, by the way. Thanks, and dude. I appreciate that. My, my thing with that is that, yes, 100% were for DC could put out a more, they could provide um, a representation to so many other different groups mm -hmm. without race bending, gender bending. Uh, sexuality bit bending characters if they just published other characters other than Batman. It's, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous right now. I'm like, come on, guys. Uh, we, we get it. You like Batman. DC stands for Detective Comics. We get it. But the right. thing is that if you're going to complain about this, there's an easy way to fix this. And you're aware that Batman is not the only member of the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, man, there, there are so, there really are like a plethora of characters. And, and I'm, I'm no, um, you know, DC scholar, but you could ask someone who's been uh, reading since like, you know, the seventies or eighties, and they could tell you way more characters than, than I ever could. But I mean, you and I grew up probably on John Stewart, Green Lantern, yes. you know, from, from the justice league animated series. To That's the point I, where, to, yeah. so sorry, but, but to the point where, when I was reading the actual comics and I saw Hal Jordan for the first time, I was like, wait, what? It was exactly. jarring. Yeah. A, lo a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends, when I would tell them like, uh, yeah, uh, Hal Jordan uh, or Ryan Reynolds is going to play Hal Jordan in this movie. Like when that movie came out, they were like, "Who's who's Hal?" Jo I thought it's you know, I thought it was John exactly. Stewart. Um, so many of us had grown up on John Stewart, and uh, especially like for for me, and I think I mentioned this in the interview with Reggie, but um, you know, uh, John Stewart is a former Marine, and you know, me serving in the Marine Corps, I I found a lot Thank of ties. With him. Oh, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was something that Wes and I, uh, we, we gave each other a hard time because he's Air Force and I'm yeah. Marine Corps. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was like, I could, I could see the character. Uh, I could see myself in the character um, through the, the moralistic values that he does have, which is like, you know, uh, honor, courage, and commitment, which are the three traits of the Marine Corps, like the big three traits of the Marine Corps. And he exemplified those exceedingly throughout the Justice League animated series. So I was like, man, I love, I, I want to be like Jon Stewart, you know? Um, and my so, favorite, yeah. my favorite Jon Stewart scene is, is actually the second arc of Justice League is when he, is when he, he's finding the Manhunters and they're about to like destroy Oa. And he just walks up, even though he's not sure he has the power and just throws up the ring and starts saying the lantern oath and like destroys oh. everyone. I was like, I'm the guy that gets chills every time I hear that lantern oath because whoever wrote that is a genius because that was the most like jazzing up like oath I think in all of pop cultural dumb and that's including like the Mandalorian phrase but mm -hmm. like 
there's so many there's so much competition but i think green lantern is the one there i i'm so glad you mentioned that man it's hard to find other green lantern fans but uh when you do find them they are like hardcore green lantern yes. fans and um that oath to this day like you said gives gives me chills um and then now i don't know that that's a good question i'd have to look at that and see who actually created it but the the most i remember seeing those uh oaths were what was in the um like blackest night because yes. not only did we get the green lantern oath like repeated uh mm -hmm. very frequently but we had the blue lantern Corps and their you know uh their uh saying and the red lantern Corps, which is just like brutal you know and so each <laughs> one of them have their own odes now and it's just like i, I love that um i know doc from uh, the comics aficionados i think it's doc yeah I, I don't. I don't think he's a fan of the rainbow, uh, the whole rainbow collection of, of lanterns. But I think no. it's it's such a great storyline. My favorite scene of Blackest Night is when like the other people get get rings, like Wonder Woman's a star of sapphire, Lex Luthor's an orange mm. lantern, because Dude. it fits their characters. <laughs> My only problem is that why didn't Superman get a blue lantern ring? Come on. Uh, yeah, I mean he is the symbol of hope itself. Uh, I would have loved to see That's what the S stands for. Exactly. So th they they did our boy dirty without giving him that blue lantern ring, but that's okay. I mean, th the the whole rest of the series was was done so well, and uh, you know Jeff Johns and, and Ethan and Skyver um, really did something special. And no matter what people think of EVS right now or what's going on with him and, and his comics right now, you can't deny that he and Jeff created something. Yes like totally new and original with that storyline. And it still holds up today. I mean, it, it will hold up as one of the greatest Green Lantern uh, runs in, in history. So. It is because it was basically DC's version of Star Wars. What I loved about that run is that it started off and like when they're fighting Parallax, uh, Jeff Johns writes in there how each uh, Lantern's constructs are different. Like uh, he's talking about like how John Stewart's one is more like meticulous because he's like an architect mm -hmm. and uh, and Kilowogs is like a cannon. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the coolest thing I have ever read. It's like, yeah, they they go into not only the depth of each color on the color wheel and like in the spectrum of each different ring. But like you said, they would go into the individual characters use of that ring. Like you said, Kilowog is much more brutal and and kind of uh, like, like a cannon. And then um kyle who i like kyle rayner who i, I want to say is more of kind of the artist you know has like very he's like very creative type of mm -hmm. constructs um and then you see like john john stewart he's got like military constructs you know yes. like tanks and cannons and stuff like that uh but you're right it is very meticulous that he, as a as a military uh you know veteran he's gonna have meticulous uh constructs now, uh, let me ask you this, though, because I, I never really looked okay. farther into it, and I didn't, I, I read a little bit of it, but I don't remember too much. What did you think about the Ultraviolet Core that came out within okay. the past few years? I think that was a little weird, because I get what <laughs> Scott Snyder was trying to do, but it just makes no sense. And I'm like, because he, he, here's the thing. I think it was too complicated. It didn't have to be too complicated. Mm. And I think you already had it as fine as it is. You could have... John Stewart being like drafted, forced to wear a yellow lantern ring, and that would have been fine. But it's it's just like I'm like, why? You already have this 
epic space opera and you already have like <laughs> what five other cores why are you adding and then they added a gold one too and i'm like oh come on people yeah yeah it's like now we're gonna get into the shades of different colored rings the the ultraviolet at first because correct me if i'm wrong it's like the the color spectrum that is like unseen to the untamed eye or something like that yeah so um like at first i read that and i was like that could that could be a cool concept but like like on on paper it sounds yeah. cool but actually written out and flushed out in a story i, I just don't know where it, it would go it has no yeah. place to go it would just be well here's another one um yeah. so yeah that's actually exactly what it sounds like. Well, okay, well, we have to have another lantern course. Let's just throw <laughs> this in there. And I'm like, everything was fine. Stop improving upon perfection. This is perfection. But, it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah. Exactly. That leads me to a question. Who is your favorite Green Lantern? I, I get I, I get the feeling it's John Stewart, but uh, assuming it's not John Stewart. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I, I do love John in in, mm -hmm. in his own way because I resonate with him. With the Marine Corps, I resonate with him with his character, his his morals, and everything. But as far as like an objective best Green Lantern, I think yeah. it really does have to be Hal. Um, the the fact that he was able to turn himself into living will, like, yeah, you know, uh, and I think that was Robert Venditti's run. Mm -hmm. Um, like that that is just such a cool thought and a, such a brilliant concept that that Hal literally has the willpower to create his own ring and become will itself. Um, I, I don't know. I just uh, when when Robert Venditti had had made that storyline, it just kind of gave gave me a new um, <clears throat> excuse me, like a new appreciation for Hal. Um, and really kind of what he's gone through. And just because he's the OG, like original yeah. start to all of this, um, I, I just, I, I think it's, uh, I think he's one of the most powerful and, and one of the most liked too. Yeah, he's definitely the most powerful. I love, I think that this was either in Jeff Johns or, or Vivenditti, but at one point, Hal is like captured by like, uh, by yellow lanterns. I think it was intentionally. And then the, and then the, the lanterns call up Sinestro, hey, we captured a green lantern. He's like, who is it? They say Hal Jordan. They're like, and uh, Sinestro's like, oh no, kill him right now. He's yeah. about to destroy you. <laughs> and then Hal just unleashes holy hell. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's pretty dope. But in terms of for me, Okay, so I have kind of three. So and number one is like Hal Jordan because he's the o again he's the OG. Yeah, he, he can turn himself into living will. And if that's mm -hmm. not Green Lantern, that's Green Lantern. John Stewart because I grew up on him, but also Jessica Cruz. Oh, now my my reasoning for that is because number one, she's an agoraphobic, but is given a ring where she's forced to constantly like overcome fear, and I'm like, that's a fantastic mm. storyline. And I always point to her in diversity done right, because what you do Ooh. is you just because my whole thing is that you shouldn't make the characteristic that makes them a diverse character all that character is. They don't Correct. do that with Cruz. With Cruz, she just happens to be um, a Latin American, but she's like one of the best Green Lanterns because she's constantly having to overcome fear. She has that challenge. She, she's not perfect, in other words. That's, uh, I, I love that. And I respect that a lot, man. That's, you know, and I never, I had never really read a lot of her stuff because once Robert Venditti had gone, had, had 
gone off the title of Green Lantern um, and, and Hal wasn't in the picture anymore. Or I think he had, he was like a renegade at that point or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when they brought her on, on board, I, I just, uh, I kind of was off comics for a little bit. I might have been on deployment. And so when that all happened, um, I didn't get to read a lot of her stuff. So that is a great interpretation of it, man. And I, I respect that a lot. Yeah, um, she started off in Jeff Johns' Justice League run in the new 52, being a replacement right. for the Earth-3 evil Green Lantern. And then you see her, she has to, she has to first off, master an evil Green Lantern ring. In fact, that, that was the return of Hal Jordan. They brought him in to like, teach her how to run it. Yeah. So then she apparently dies, but it turns out the ring, which is actually like possessed by like this evil ring being called Volthoom, he's dead. And then the Green Lantern chooses her, saying that, that she has the ability to overcome great, great fear and all that stuff. And then during her series, it's all about her saying, I don't know if I can do this. I'm afraid to leave my house, but I'm supposed to be like this being that feels no fear. Mm. Dude, that is, yeah, that's, that that is really good writing. You know, because initially I had thought, um, you know, John, John Stewart is like a perfect example of diversity done right. Uh, Him too. Yeah. Yeah. Because not only is he, uh, does he have much more, of a uh, of a character um, outside of his race, outside of his skin color, um, but they did this back in like the seventies or eighties. I want to say yeah. when they first introduced him. So like they were doing this way before um, anyone else. And uh, there's a uh, I don't know if you've read this before. Uh, I just found out about it like a couple months back. But there's a magazine um, by Tomorrow's Publishing. And uh, it's called Back Issue. And it goes through like old keys and uh, old like, you know, famous uh, comic runs. And it goes through how it was created. It interviews some of the creators and some of the publishers and stuff. And one of the most recent uh, magazines that came out was talking about John, John Stewart and how he came to, uh, came to fruition. And one of the first things they said was like, if we have a Green Lantern Corps, Let's just start making as many Green Lanterns as possible. Let's have a planet Green Lantern. Let's have a, you know, this alien Kilowog thing, uh, Green Lantern. And, uh, and they were like, you know, and now we can start getting into more races, introducing more diverse characters into the Green Lantern Corps. Um, and that's how Jon Stewart came to be. So I, I love that. And, and they wrote him as so much more than just, like we were talking about, so much more yeah. than just here's my skin color. That's all I am. It's very surface level. Um, they wrote him with so much more depth and meaning behind it than just here I am. I'm just generic hero with a different skin color. Um, it was so much more intentional and meaningful. Exactly. They didn't make him also a clone of Hal Jordan, but just happens to be black. And I feel like that's yes. that's one of the problems I have with modern comics is that when they try and put in. A, uh, a diverse character they just make him a clone of the character that they're trying to like to like replace and i'm like first off that, that's an insult to whoever you're trying to like represent and second mm-hmm. off that's upsetting the l- legacy of that uh, of the original character too so i'm like there are easier there are many examples of this done right john stewart cruz the entire x-men cast so i'm like it's it's not like this is new <laughs> that's such a great point man um 
it, it very, like we said before, it's kind of lazy writing when you just take yeah. someone, put, put a different skin color on them, and then take the same template as a different hero. It does no service to the new character um, because you're just, you're, you're not writing them with any creative outlook in mind. Um, you know, and you look at John, and one of the things I've always thought, which is funny comparatively to Hal, is how much Hal tends to like rebel against rules and regulations yes. and stuff. And it's kind of like this uh, snarky, kind of like confident, cocky guy who's like, I, you're not telling me what to do. I can do this on my own. And John, coming from a military background, is like, we are following the rules step by step. We are going this way. We're going to do it, you know, the right way. Uh, so it is like, it's night and day differences. And, and you can see that very clearly. So uh, yeah, exactly. once again, just a great example. I'm just like, it's, it's like astounding when you see how there are such great examples, but recent comics just keep failing. So anyway, on a more po a positive topic, our third question, <laughs> who is your favorite superhero and why? Um, so the, the generic, I guess, answer I would probably give would be Superman. Uh, I think he, yeah. And, and I think you and I can agree that just everything that you would want from a superhero is embodied by him. Um, and well, everything- the whole thing too. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he, he was really one of the, um, he, he was, what Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster started with him created not just Superman, but like the industry of superheroes and comic books in general. So this thing blew up because of our Blue Boy Scout. And so- um, Superman, in my opinion, is just the icon of what uh, hope and, and meaning and passion and ev just everything. And, you know, his, his motto, truth, justice, truth, justice in the American way, um, it really speaks. Way. Yeah, it used to be. Sorry. Now it's uh, better tomorrow, right? Yeah, I hate that. I was talking to Wes about that and I'm like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> I think the thing that I was so upset about when it first came out, when they mentioned it, was it felt so so divisive and politicized to make that decision. Yeah. And it, it felt like they were trying to say that the American way isn't about freedom, isn't about truth, isn't about hope. It's and so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. For, for me, being like someone who's who... I served, it just felt kind of like a kick to the nuts because I was like, guys, come on. What, what are you trying to do to me? Um, so I took it pretty personally. And, uh, and, and I think rightfully so. Fans have every right to take things personally when those characters have changes like made to them. It's um, like, uh, so uh, actually, I don't know if you know about this, but EVS it did a video analyzing it. And it turns out mm -hmm. it wasn't because of like some desire for social change. It was just because they didn't have the copyright for truth, justice, the American way. They couldn't keep it because it's too generic. You can't exactly copyright that phrase. So, mm -hmm. and I, I was having a debate with someone about it and they're like, well, they probably changed it because the American way is like racism and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. ignoring the political debate. All I said was, actually, it was because of this. It wasn't because of some, like, which is, like, everything these companies do. They are companies. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, they're going to do this because they don't want to get sued. So I'm just, like, come on. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, and maybe a, a great segue into kind of the, 
the the death of the Justice League, this this yeah. new storyline, because from what I've been hearing and on the on the same vein as as copyright, a lot of these characters are coming up to a close on their copyright, you know, and a lot of the families that own them, like the like the Schusters and the Seagulls for Superman and stuff, they don't want to pay these families the uh, the amount of money that it would take to re-up that copyright, you know, or that uh, th that contract for the character. And so they're going to create these new characters and call them something a little bit different so they don't have to pay the royalties to the families. Um, I, I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory or not. That's just something I've heard. And because they are corporations, like I you mean, said, they do have to think about the money. A couple of things on that. Well, first off, DC did already confirm that the Justice League is coming back at the end of Dark Crisis. So I'm like, True. well, well... I, oh really, DC? I didn't know that that anyone that dies in these comic books comes back. Really, do tell me more. It's like I, I like, love I love the public reaction to when they announced yeah. the death of the Justice League. Everyone's like, so, yeah, and so quickly too. Like you think know. they'd let them? You think they'd let them? Like you know, have have some peace for a year or so? But they're like, nope, they're coming right back, or they'll have their their regular titles as you know as normal coming out every month. They're still doing that. And I'm like, what? Yeah, so it's like, what's the point? Yeah. And, and the funny part is that I love how they're like pursuing the replacement of their heroes for us uh, for the copyright and also for the diversity and stuff and all that stuff. But I'm like, didn't Marvel try replacing their superheroes and it didn't work? Mm, yeah, yeah. DC has always like as a as a DC and Marvel fan, like I, I think we both can see the pattern of where Marvel does something and then a couple of years later DC does it just because they're they're behind the curve by a few years, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we've seen this with Marvel before, and it didn't really work out in their favor. There were a few characters that stuck though, like Miles Morales is like an international um, phenomenon. Yeah. Like it's because everyone. he had that movie. True, true. And you know what? I I you know I'm actually a hot take, but I loved Into the Spider Verse. Um, I actually not a hot take at all. I love that okay. movie. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> no. Like a lot of people will be like, oh, it's just so stupid. It's like, why are all these Spider-Man? And I was like, dude, it's so heartfelt. And it's just really like it's the animation is absolutely beautiful. It's a comic so, book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it really is just it, it is a literal comic book on the screen. Um, so I actually I saw the film in theaters twice because I was so obsessed with it. I thought it was so good. Yeah, it's it, it, it's one of my fa favorite Spider-Man movies. Mm -hmm. my, my favorite now being No Way Home because I grew up on the Tobey Maguire movies. I remember mm -hmm. seeing those in theaters specifically. So to see him come through that portal, we all knew it was going to happen. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's actually happening. <laughs> Dude, my theater was going nuts when that happened. Um, and the, the great thing about having those two in the in, in No Way Home was that they could, like Sony could have taken the lazy way out and just shown them, you know, had them gone through the portal. And then it's like, hey, we're here. And then, like, they never utilized them. But That's what I Peter, thought they were going to do. Oh, yeah. I was fully, uh, like, I was I was ready for them to just kind of key jangle, put something in front of us and just go, see, look, you know, and, and put a, a, a happy face on and then get rid of them. But it turns out, and this is why I loved it so much, was that, and I, after watching it again, I, I realized how, how great it was. But, um, you know, they utilize Peter... Uh, well, they utilized Toby's Peter and Andrew Garfield's Peter 
in a way is like these older brother kind of father, uh, like mentor towards um, Tom Collins, Peter. And so they, it's not like they didn't have anything to do. They were actually an integral part of why that movie had such great success. Um, and, you know, we were talking about how to do diversity, right? That's how you do multiple characters, right? You know, multiple generations of characters. You utilize them, them in the story to build up the other characters. So yes, exactly. uh, I thought it was well done. Yeah, the theater, like, it's kind of funny. I was, I came out of Endgame going, how are they going to top that? And then immediately that happens <laughs> and I'm like, okay, they just did. All right, there you go. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fun to watch. I uh, I also got a kick when I got uh, when you saw Matt Murdock on the screen. That was yes. probably my other favorite part. That oh, part is when my theater really exploded. And at that point, I was like, okay, they're definitely gonna have all three Spider-Man in there because if they got Matt Murdock in there, how hard is it for them to get the other Spider-Man in there? Right. I was like, okay, we're in for we're in for a trip because I had no idea that. Um, uh, Charlie Charlie Cox, right? The yeah, actor. Charlie Cox, yeah. I, he kept it secret so well. Like I had no idea he was going to pop up. On they the all did. So, yeah, so it was I so know. cool to see him. Yeah, true. But yeah, it was so dope. But I, I was a little bit disappointed it wasn't be, it wasn't Ben Affleck's Daredevil. But I'll tell him there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious. That would I don't like. I, I'm not sure how fans would have reacted. That would have been pretty good. And it's like just kidding. And it's just, it's just Charlie Cox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, going back to your uh, your question, though, about who's uh, my favorite hero, because um, I guess I, you know, we had talked about Superman being like the essential or quintessential, like, you know, hero. Um, is would, would you say the same thing? Is, is Superman yeah. your favorite or do you have a... Mine is, is actually three. It's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, but more okay. so Superman. Because here's the thing. I have a personal connection to Superman in that I, I have a vivid memory. I spent a lot of time in the hospital growing up. I had a bleeding disorder. So mm. one of the earliest memories I have, I'm on like a three-hour, like actually a six-hour IV drip. And so they had a TV screen. And then one of the VHSs was one of the episodes of Justice League Unlimited. So I popped that in, and then that started the seed. And then I started to like, and then my dad showed me the old Christopher Reeves Superman movies. Yeah. And then for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why I liked this character so much. And then actually, when I read Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman, and there's that wonderful scene where that girl's about to jump off the roof and Superman comes up behind her and goes, you are so much stronger than you think you are. And I'm like, Ooh. that's it. That, that is what, and that's why I tell people because I, I was having a conversation with someone. They're like, oh, Superman, he's so boring. And I'm like, here's what you don't realize about Superman. <laughs> yeah, he's invincible. Yeah, he's super strength. And yeah, he has all these powers. But the, the thing about Superman, he's not just a dude. He's an ideal. He's the ideal that you can overcome anything as long as you have the right determination and grit. And everything will always turn out for the best. Dude, I, I love that so much. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. That when, when you mentioned him, you know, saving that woman and saying you are so much stronger than you think you are. Um, it, it, you know, gives you chills, just like the Green Lantern, uh, uh, the, 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 yeah, the quote, like the, some of the things that Superman has said, um, in, in his books and, you know, obviously Superman is, is a, um, product of his writers as well. So I have to, you know, give, mm -hmm. give credit to the writers. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff that I've read from him 
is so endearing and it gives you chills. Sometimes, you know, it gets you, it makes you emotional. Like uh, there was a comic by Daniel Warren Johnson that came out this year that had that where, where he wrote Superman and it made me, I mean, incredibly emotional. And I was like, dude, I'm reading a comic book right now. I can't believe that I am feeling so heavily about this, this story. Um, so yeah, you're, you're hundred percent correct in saying that it's, it's kind of like the phrase, um, tell me you don't read Superman or, uh, by telling me you don't read Superman or what, what's that phrase or whatever, I because know. so many people, yeah. Um, so many people will attribute Superman as just to the boring, uh, goody two shoes, blue boy scout, but he has so much more going for him in his character, um, than just, Oh, I'm the nice guy. Uh, like you said, it's an ideal. It's something to strive for. It's something to look up to. Um, so yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with your uh, your your pick. So. Did you see the Snyder Cut? Yes, I did. Yeah. The reason why I asked about that is because that movie, the portrayal of Superman, actually brought me to tears because there's mm -hmm. that scene where, where first he shows up in the Kryptonian ship and you have his two fathers speaking to him, saying, repeating the lines from Man of Steel and BBS. Then he emerges and you finally hear his two fathers saying, it's time, son, fly, be who you're meant to be. He takes up, he's wearing the black suit first yeah. off. And <laughs> yeah. then this scene had my co-host and I freaking out like an Avengers Endgame where Steppenwolf brings the ax down and he, and it just lands on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And Superman proceeds to, uh, I coined this phrase in the show, whenever I say Superman destroys anyone, I say they, he not impressed them because that was like, that's, What's interesting about that scene, and it's a subtle con um, subtext, that when Superman shows up, you notice the Justice League all of a sudden can land hits on, on Steppenwolf. Like, he is the spirit of the league. When he shows yeah. up, every it's not a fight against Steppenwolf. That's such a, yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, I do love the quotes from both fathers, um, you know, kind of ushering him into life, into the back into the world. Um, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful portrayal of fatherhood and like that mentorship between father and son, um, and, and both one from Krypton and one from Earth, and yeah, it, it's just a beautiful rendition of that. So I really did enjoy that uh, as well. Um, and the other thing is Superman wasn't making these goofy little quips, you know, like the uh, the like weed cut. cut. I'm like, um, oh my gosh, he was making these like snarky remarks, and I'm like. That's not Who Superman. Is this? No, it's not at all. You know, so it, it was much more true to form. Um, it was like when Whedon had Batman going, I don't not like you. I'm like, have you ever read a <laughs> Batman storyline? Have you? Yeah, it was uh it was hard to watch at points. And the you know, to realize that Whedon had actually spent so much more money just to put in more jokes. Um, there's a, mm -hmm. a great video by uh, Red Letter Media that breaks down the differences between the Whedon and Snyder cut. Um, and they were saying how most of the reshoots were to input jokes. Like most of the money was to put jokes into the, you know, the finalized theatrical film with, with yeah. Whedon as, as the, the main one. So it's, it's sad to think that that was what came to fruition was just like, hey, let's put more jokes in it and spend 20 more million dollars. Yeah. Which is hilarious because when you watch the Snyder Cut, the original version, it actually is pretty funny. There's actual jokes in it. And I'm like, so you're telling me, it's, first off, watching a whole four-hour movie, I've seen it seven times. Oh, wow. And 
is to the point where I'm like, why did you change this? Like the Flash going back in time, Superman destroying Steppenwolf, Darkseid's whole appearance in the movie. Yeah. But and, and you thought it would be a good idea to add a scene where Flash falls onto Wonder Woman's boobs. That was the, that was your priority. It was so toned up. Like that whole that whole thing was just so uncalled for. Um, the so I guess I I could ask then. So you're oh what yeah. that's cool. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what you got there? That's pretty rad, man. I like that a lot. I'm waiting until I can go to the beach and then take take photos of this. That will be epic. Um, I wonder if you'll be able to control the seas with that thing. When you get there. I do rule cool. Atlantis, so. <laughs> yeah. And that was the other thing with uh, with Aquaman. They had him like, you know, he was much more of a comedy, co comedic relief in the Whedon cut where he's like this like surfer dude and not the king of an empire. You yeah. know, there, there are two different characterizations of Aquaman. And What's kind of funny is when my co-host and I were watching the Snyder Cut, the one scene that we were like, please be in the Snyder Cut, please be in the Snyder Cut, is when Cyborg catches him and, and Aquaman goes, my man. We were uh, like, yes, <laughs> it's in the movie. We were like, yes. And I'm like, that's so Snyder. There's no way that's a Whedon joke. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. I think Whedon was the one who's making him uh, scream or like do that weird uh Yahoo. Yeah, that thing. I was like, that does it, it's so much more, it's so much better when he's just a quiet as he just surfs in on a parademon. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I, it was it was really uh it was quite something to see the two differences. I mean, because it was drastic. I, oh I didn't my think gosh, I didn't think it was gonna be so different. Um, but I greatly enjoyed the uh, Snyder versus the Whedon, um, and and it wasn't even a contest. Well, I, we kind of started the podcast because of that. So mm, nice. Okay. But yeah. So but, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask. So you you kind of started the channel and yeah. the, the show in this podcast after seeing the the Snyder cut, then? N not even after seeing it. It was after the movie was announced because this oh, was during okay. this was during the pandemic. And uh, mm -hmm. you see, here's the thing. Justice League for the longest time was a stain on the DCEU. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like, maybe kind of sad to be a DC fan because I'm like, the Justice League should have been this big, epic, grandeur movie, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. So, and I remember my co host and I, we, I, I get the feeling you two, we, we did not think the Snyder Code would be, would be released. There's no way this is going to happen. Yeah. So I remember that day vividly. I'm getting out of the dentist. I'm going into a dentist appointment. It hadn't been announced yet. I get out. I'm checking um, uh, Facebook. And then there is that Jurassic Park meme of uh, Jeff Goldblum going that uh, that SOB did it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. it's from a DC like page. So I'm like, okay, what? I scroll down. I see the black and white Wonder Woman post that says Zack Snyder's Justice League. And let's just say I reacted like the movie theaters for Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow. And then for, for the longest time, I said I wanted to, to start a podcast, and it was either yeah. this or politics. Politics, because I'm a political science major. So I was okay. like, okay, I can, I can talk about this. But first off, way too negative. And second mm -hmm. off, I find that I wanted to, like, escape all that stuff. And it's mm -hmm. like, if, if I'm talking about politics constantly in class, I'm like, this is just not going to work. And then when I saw the Snyder Cut, and then, uh, and then my, uh, my friend Lad and I FaceTime. And I'm like, this is what we should do. Yeah. Dude, what a great idea. I love that. And that's, I, I think that's seriously what 
so many people on YouTube have been doing, and not just on, on YouTube, but on Spotify and, and uh, like Rumble and all these different platforms, is they're, they're trying to escape the activism and political narratives yes. of like today's uh, society because um, it's, it, it just seems more, because uh, like you'll see on Twitter, everyone saying, uh, comics have always been political or movies have always been political or books though. have always been but yes a hundred percent and you as a poli science you know major um know this i'm, I'm sure I, I mean you yeah. deal with it every single day and so you did okay. i'm sorry for for a paper i wrote in the summer it was on the politics of comic books i had a cool teacher mm. like that and yeah I, when i looked at like how these books used to be, it really is. And you actually touched on it on, on your conversation with Reggie Collects with that mm -hmm. quote by Stan Lee. It's like, yeah, it's in the background. It's not like in your face, like this is what we're doing. That's why I love the X-Men so much and why I consider them like the gold standard of dealing with this stuff. Because really they're using it, they, they take the concept of being other in any way, whether or not you're a conservative, a liberal, black, white, it doesn't matter. If you're othered in any way, you can identify with these people. And I'm like, this is the way you do it. Not by having Jonathan Kent come out as bis a bisexual, throw it in your face, and then have him protest climate change in a universe where there's characters that can change the climate like that. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah, it really doesn't. It doesn't take your mind off of the political climate of things. It only exacerbates it, you know, or, or it makes it makes it worse. The um, your your comment about the X Men is so spot on, man, and I have to uh, I have to agree with you there because after the the um, show that I did with Reggie, so many people were coming into my my DMs or were commenting on the video, and they were going, uh, "What do you mean? You know, like X Men has always been political. It's been about the civil rights movement," and I I hate that take. I hate that argument because. Like you said, X-Men is for anyone who feels like they're on the fringe of society, um, anyone who feels other, anyone who feels like they don't fit in. That's the X-Men, not it's clear that, you know, this side and this side and that's it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't an allegory about the civil rights movement. And Stan Lee is actually, there's an interview with him at a Comic-Con where he states, I never planned, I never tried to make the X-Men an allegory for the civil rights movement. I just wanted to make a story that people could identify with that felt like they were on the fringes, whether, Absolutely. like you said, it was whether they're a liberal or conservative or black or white, you know, or or, or maybe you just feel like you're, you don't fit into to the, the popular crowd or to the sports crowd. You, you kind of have your own crowd and that's what the X-Men do. And it's such a beautiful story because they are the fringes of society. And so anyone can um, can like relate to them because I feel like everyone has at one point in time in their life yeah, has felt everyone. like yeah like maybe I don't fit in and then yeah. they read the X Men and they go man I fit in with these guys though um, yeah, it's, so yeah it's, it's, like, it's cool it's like how I mentioned before I grew up with a bleeding disorder I couldn't necessarily do what I couldn't necessarily go run out and play with the, with the other kids I turned out later I couldn't I was just worrying for no reason but besides the point it's like at the time it was more like yeah, I couldn't do what everyone else was doing. And then when I found out superheroes, it turns out this is why I love superheroes so much. Mm -hmm. They took what makes them unique. In other words, they're taking what makes them 
different from other people and are using that to help people and are using turning that negative into a strength, particularly the X-Men, because some of them have really terrible powers, like Beak, <laughs> who's basically a bird. This one dude th that his powers, he has the powers to explode once. Yeah, yeah. That's awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, man. You can identify with them, though. Not because of your skin color, not because of your political identification, but because you have been in a situation where maybe you didn't fit in. And uh, that is so much more of a broad entry for people. You know, like anyone can identify with that. So I think that's what's beautiful. It's like anyone can come to the X-Men and read it and enjoy it. Um, it doesn't have to be something. Whereas like now, yeah, you pick up a comic book and most of like them that I... Yeah, most of them that, that I read, I go, well, this really isn't for me. So I pick up another one. And it's like, all right, well, this one isn't for me either, you know? And then you continually pull books and you're like, man, how many can they write that aren't for me anymore? You know, like yeah. there are very few now that are meant for the, the normal audience of, of readers. Yeah, it's, it's like with me. I haven't read, I don't really read any of the new stuff. I, 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 the way I keep up with the new stuff is I watch your guys' channel. But <laughs> it's like the, the newest thing I read was Endless Winter. That's it. It's because oh, really, it's, yeah, it's yeah. because the other stuff just doesn't, it's, it's observable that's not as higher quality as it used to be. Mm. And I'm like, as a hardcore DC fan, I routine, one of the reasons why I was a DC fan is because I think it's, from my perspective, I think DC had like the more legendary and world-renowned storylines. Nowadays, it doesn't seem like that. You're, yeah, that's a, that's a great point that they, because they really do have storylines that like are so otherworldly, like with multiverses and stuff like that. Um, Marvel is much more of a street-level hero. You know, you've got your, your Daredevils and your Wolverines and your um, like iron fists and stuff like that where these are guys that are just going to the streets and kicking butt you know stopping crime but it's all street level and yeah. dc was like galaxies universes like it's we were like talking a, about a gods among men yes yeah absolutely um so you you and i i think um both have a strong connection with the affinity of the larger scale of dc and how well it could be done or how mm -hmm. how beautiful like we we can envision it being um but we just ha haven't had someone come around and do it yet so um speaking of which what are you what are your thoughts on this new batman film that comes out in like a week okay so <laughs> i'm very excited for it because first I i'm one of the guys that okay i wasn't really that sure about robert pattinson playing batman because my ex-girlfriend once made me watch Twilight and that scarred me. Mm, Emphasis okay. on X, by the way. But, <laughs> but it's like, as soon as I saw that first trailer, they dropped in a fandom where he like completely tears apart that criminal. I'm like, that is Batman. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. It's like, and it's like that one scene where, the one scene where I'm kind of like, okay, is the scene in like the second trailer where he's walking down that corridor and they're shooting at him, but he's just walking through the bullets like Superman. And yeah. I'm like, what the heck? That might be, you know, because like, I, I, haven't, I haven't read as much Batman as I have Superman. However, I know enough that like Batman is supposed to be like this ninja-esque type of 
skilled master to be able to kind of hide in the shadows or, you know, uh, conceal himself to his enemies. And he's just kind of walking down with this like tank armor. I'm like, that doesn't, that's not who he is, you know? I mean, I'll give you a shot because, you know, I was very nervous about Ben Affleck playing Batman because of Daredevil. Mm. But then when I saw (laughs) Batman versus Superman, is that scene in the warehouse where he basically, it basically turns into an Arkham game. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, 100%, this is my Batman, man. You know, what's funny is, uh, speaking of the Ben Affleck Daredevil, is we're going to see Colin Farrell not Colin Farrell Bullseye from the movie, but no. Colin Farrell uh, Penguin, right? I think and that, I, you would never know it's Colin Farrell. I, I seriously didn't know, like, till a couple weeks ago. Like, I, I, I kid you not, I had no idea. And then I looked at IMDb or someone told me or something. And I was like, you're pulling my leg. There's no way that that's Colin Farrell. But, There's uh, absolutely no way. Yeah. Whoever did the makeup on that should get the Oscar right now. Because I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it also just goes to show how great of an actor Colin Farrell is because he's, like, an Irishman. And every film I've ever seen him in, he's never doing his normal Irish accent, except for maybe, like, In Bruges, which is a kind of an indie film. But And Bullseye, kind of. Yeah, oh, true. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, That's, uh, man. That was the one part of that movie. That was the one part of, about the Daredevil movie that I will say was awesome was his portrayal of Bullseye. Besides Bullseye. that, it was all like, it was all like, uh, this is not good. Although it did introduce me to the band Evanescence, so I'm like, okay, I, I, there's that one point oh. in the movie. So yeah, that really was, uh, man. You're bringing me down nostalgia lane, man. Yeah. Um, that was like that was a really interesting era of comic book movies because we had like Blade, we had Daredevil, and then we had the first X Men. Really? I still haven't oh, wow. seen Blade. Wes made fun of me for that on the last interview. But Did it? Yeah, oh I haven't man. Seen okay. Well, I'm. I will have to. Uh, I'll have to follow Wes's. Uh, you know, what would you call it? I example. won't make fun of you for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow his example. But I will say, it's a great watch. It's a lot great of fun. Um, it's you know, it's not an Academy Award winner by any means, but it like it's just you know, it's the only r-rated marvel movie of its kind and super fun to watch yeah yeah it's it's just a a lot of those movies i just never got the chance my first superhero movie was really a sam raimi spider-man one and and then i like went on into like other different movies i suffered through spider-man 3 with their portrayal of venom (laughs) only to be delighted at tom hardy's venom and i'm like finally someone gets it oh interesting i yeah I, I, of course, I, I really didn't enjoy the portrayal in Spider-Man 3, but honestly, I didn't really like the portrayal of Tom Hardy either. Um, I've, I've said this with a couple of my friends before. I really think that Venom lends itself to be a horror film more than an yes! action film. I um, said this w- when I did a character episode on Venom. The movie should have been rated R. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. It, was, it should have been terrifying, you know, because Eddie Brock has this kind of he, he has a psychosis with the symbiote. Um, the reason why the symbiote attaches itself to him because he's about to kill himself, and which is a very dark, you know, take on itself. So then you have this dark take with this dark symbiote who's taking control over him. And then he has this fear of loneliness so that if the symbiote leaves him, he's now so afraid of being alone that he would rather take this horrifying entity, this alien symbiote, He'd rather have that with him than be alone. It's a really dark take on a character. 
So I think it would lend itself much, much better to be a, a horror film. Um, and I think it would be much more telling if like Eddie Brock was more tortured as opposed to yeah. kind of a funny guy. And a but, loser. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, but, but I do see um, the portrayal from Tom Hardy. I know that a lot of people really like the portrayal and I had nothing wrong with it. I, I just feel like there could be something made that may be a little bit better. That's true. I do really like that <laughs> that bust of Venom you got in the Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, nice. no, it's this yeah, over on the side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but speaking of superhero movies, you'll actually appreciate this. So I recently, so I was trying to, to find a movie to watch with my mom. And then she, I, 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 for some reason, we were going through Apple. And then, like, the Punisher movie came up with, like, uh, Thomas Jane, I think, or something like that. It's, it's the mm. first one. And then she goes, oh, I love that movie. And I'm like, you love the Punisher because she, <laughs> she's not really into like violent movies and okay. the Punisher. And it's kind of, the funny part is that she didn't even know it was a Marvel movie. Oh, wow. And, huh. and I go, wait a second. It has a Marvel logo in the, like in the beginning, it says Marvel yeah. Studios, but she's like, Oh no, I didn't see it. But I, I think it's because she, she likes revenge movies. And really there, I would argue there's not a better revenge story than The Punisher because every other good like a revenge story, whether that be John Wick, have copied more or less The Punisher archetype. A hundred percent. That's a great observation, man. It really is kind of this this guy who's looking for vengeance. He's looking for uh, well, vengeance is more of a Batman thing. He's looking more yeah. for like retribution. He's like this is now his life's purpose is to just kill. Um, so I, when I first saw the Punisher film, it was like weirdly, oddly beautiful, uh, cause it was like so horrifying that something would happen to his family like that. And then so horrifying that this man would then just completely give himself to this new life of just murder, you know, <laughs> like torturing yeah. people. But um, it, it was definitely a fun movie. Uh, I, I remember, you know, watching it as a, as a young, I'd say like young kid, young adult, teen-ish. I, I forget when that movie came out. But um, what's her name? The actress who played Mystique in the first few X-Men films, she's actually the woman who is like his, his uh, apartment, like neighbor. She's the neighbor? Yeah, yeah. How weird is that? Wow. Yeah, that's a throwback, man. But she looks great in that movie. What um, if they're connected and this was the first MCU? See, they, <laughs> she, she was Mystique the whole time. The whole sure time. had no idea. It yeah. was Agatha all along. It was Mystique all the time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that would be quite, that would be something. I, that would be a fun, like, little fan fiction, you know. But uh, um, she's a great Speaking actress of- and does well. Speaking of Punisher, I happen to have the action figure of when he was in the War Machine armor. Oh, nice, dude. That's rad. That was one of the coolest storylines because it's like, of course he would get in the War Machine armor. Oh, yeah. He would be pretty much invincible at that point in time. Uh, and and a... I love because in that storyline, Nick Fury j- j- just sends him to retrieve the armor. And Frank's like, oh, no, I'm keeping this. He's like, yeah, right. You think I'm going to give this back over to you? I'm taking it for myself. And if that Nick- doesn't speak, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if that doesn't speak to who the Punisher is, like, he is so against authority and everything. Yeah. He's just like, he doesn't give a, a crap about anything. So, uh, yeah, it's pre- pretty, it, it was a fun storyline to, to read him taking over that armor. Yeah. 
So what do you think of the new Punisher logo? Ooh, um, I think it's really insensitive to, uh, to one, Punisher fans, and two, any type of, um, like, native uh, Asian culture or community. Yeah. Because it seems like, and I'm not trying to virtue signal or anything, I just think it looks bad. Like it does look they, bad. They, Compared to what's on his chest in the ne- previously, it's way correct. worse. Oh uh, yeah, a hundred percent. It just looks so generic and just kind of. It looks like someone like drew it on a napkin and was like, "Let's just do this," you know, like make yeah. a make a version of this or something. But it yeah, it wouldn't make it's you know everyone talks about like oh it's cultural appropriation, and I'm thinking like, well I guess yeah, but like. It just looks bad, you know? Like, yeah, it could be cultural appropriation of this culture. Um, it could be um, a, a kick in the nuts to all the Punisher fans. It may be both. Overall, it just looks bad. Um, they're not going to, like, own anyone. Like, you're not going to... Because I know the big thing is, like, well, we need to stick it to these people because these people like Punisher and we can't let them like Punisher. Um, it's such a weird thought process um you know wes was talking about it on his uh, podcast this morning on the aficionados and they were talking about how the punisher logo has been on almost every military uniform or logo yes. like ever and um i remember the if, you, if you saw I, an american snipers all, all oh, on their stuff yeah i mean they would go through i remember the you know the the the, the initial push through like Iraq and uh, especially like through Fallujah, um, they would they would take the Punisher logo and they would spray paint it onto yeah. buildings that they had cleared, you know, as kind of a sign of like warning and, and a sign of like, hey, listen, don't, you know, don't do anything stupid because we're, we're now occupying this territory. Um, and so it was something of a fear tactic. It was like a logo that was meant to instill fear. Um, and I, I just remember even my unit that I deployed with, I went to Iraq and the unit that I was with, our logo was the Skull Punisher. It was on all our t-shirts. It was on all our patches. It was on all our hats. Like everything that we owned was a Punisher logo. And you asked, if you asked any one of my guys in my platoon, uh, I'd be like, Hey, do you know who Frank Castle is? They'd be like, who? Like no one, no one would know. Yeah. They just love, they just think it's a cool you know, logo. I may or may not have two Punisher t-shirts because my mom, who's, again, not really into the skull motif, but is like, buy two Punisher (laughs) t-shirts. Yes! Yeah, why not, dude? Get get one for, like, one that you can, like, maybe work out in and then another one that you can just wear, you know, out to the bar or something. Um, I used to have a... Yeah, I used to have a a Punisher t-shirt that was, like, you know, it had the big skull on there. And I like made into a tank top and I just wore it to the gym. Um, awesome. And everyone hated it though. Like, <laughs> you know, cause obviously people think that it's like, oh, well, if you wear this, you're associated with this. It's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I'm like, oh, as if there haven't been crazy people that wore the Superman logos and DC's not gonna change the Superman logo. Dude, there have been crazies that have wore the Batman logo. You know, they think I'm they're sure. vigilantes and they're like, I am the knight. I am vengeance. And yeah, every people are going to wear the logo whether you like it or not. And, uh, 
that's just the when you make a really famous character, it's just going to happen. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I have two more questions for you. Ooh. Number four, favorite comic event. Ooh, comic event. Um, so this, I know I said, oh, this was a hot take earlier about the Spider-Verse uh, movie. Uh, this might actually be a hot take and people oh might not enjoy, <laughs> enjoy my... Oh, boy. But it's the most recent one that I, that I can remember. Um, I actually, really surprisingly, I like the King and Black uh, tie-in events through Marvel. That was great. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It was just something, something cool about, you know, you've got Venom, Silver Surfer, um, Wolverine, Captain America. Like you have all these different people fighting Null um, for the lives of, of, of Earth before he takes it over, before his symbiote army takes over. I don't know, man. It was just super metal and cool, and uh, it's it, so it dope. was just yeah, it was dope. Particularly um, when he, he takes Thor's hammer and Silver Surfer's board and combines them into a giant. Yes, oh. I was like, oh, that's so cool. That is, you're right. Okay, I yeah, that is very very cool, and I totally forgot that he did that. Um, but yeah, like just stuff like that. Um, as far as like the other events, I guess I could say Blackest Night, Brightest Day. Um, and maybe, well, the thing that kicked that all off was the Sinestro Core War, but oh, I don't yes. know, like, do you remember, uh, do you remember if it was an event that spanned across all the other DC titles or was not it just? Sure. I'm not sure because here, because the Green Lantern books are pretty much all in space, so. Yeah, so but I think it was just, yeah. It still also counted because that was an amazing storyline. <laughs> it, it's was, just yeah. I love when the when the guardians are talking about like not killing, and all of a sudden like eighty green lantern rings show up from slain lanterns, and they're all like, "The hell!" Yeah. Oh my god, dude, that's wild. Um. So yeah, I, I guess I would probably say those two. If I thought about it more, I could probably come up with a better answer. But those are those are just the two. I'll, I'll those are great. My favorite are J Justice League: The Dark Side War because the whole idea about how oh. the, the, the first off is the Anti Monitor versus Dark Side. Yeah. And then it's like the Justice League becoming gods, like Superman, the God of Strength. The Flash being the god of death, Batman becoming a total a-hole when he, he gets all the knowledge in the universe. <laughs> oh, yeah, because like, he's on the Mobius chair, right? Yeah, yeah. Or he's like, the, yeah, chair, yeah. the chair gives me all I need. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> sounding kind of creepy, Bats. <laughs> and my, my favorite thing he did, it was an Italian. He visits Joe Chill and goes, I'm Bruce Wayne. Oh, so good, dude. That's and pretty I was cool. Like, oh, that's so and then Kingdom Come. Oh, okay. Is that because if that if we're counting that as like a is a an event i, I will that's say event. kingdom Come. i'll say okay. that counts I'll okay then counts. that's because, top because like first off alex ross's art dude every page is like a pain it, it really is just a, like you could you could blow up one of those pages and like hang it in an art gallery it's every yeah. page is flawless when I was making the thumbnail for our episode in Kingdom Come, I actually had a hard time picking which image do I want to use for this. Because oh. they're all fantastic. And then Everything when you think about so it, good. Kingdom Come is one of the best stories analyzing Superman specifically because it's seeing him dealing with the with a universe that's all cool killing. Yeah, so true, man.
and every like i really enjoyed the costume design on everyone too like yes. the 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 red and black symbol for superman that was dope and the uh like the green the alan scott green lantern and everything like Art. i don't know i just yeah the the cool armor and the golden um, wonder woman armor with the eagle yes wings. yeah dude so there were there were some cool um there were some really great costume designs for that um so yeah and it was great because it was kind of a, a one-off it, it didn't it was like not an Elseworlds story, but it was just. It was an Elseworlds. It was, yeah, okay. Um, and they kind of made a sequel to it, but they, they only made like one sequel series to it. Um, I, I would, the, the only other thing that I guess I would say from Marvel, another um, like tie in event that was pretty big or like crisis level event, um, would be Annihilation. Oh, I, okay. Oh, that's a cool one. Yeah, so I think that one's pretty cool. I haven't read the entire series, but from what I read, I really enjoyed it. But it's got like it's all it's all space stuff. It's all Silver Surfer, Nova stuff like that. Yes, and I I, I love that um, you know that environment, that atmosphere of like space. Um, it's got mm -hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy and a lot of cool stuff. So, in terms of Marvel, I have three. So uh, number one is Siege. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I loved it. the whole idea because there's that fantastic scene where Tony Stark is fighting the void and he just crashes a helicarrier on it. <laughs> so I'm like, that, that's one way to deal with it. That was uh, like mid 2000s, right? Yeah. Okay, and, and that's that's, right. that's one of the few books that 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 um, <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis wrote that I'm like that that I don't have a problem with. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there are good Bendis books out there. You just kind of have to look for them. So. It's just. It's just not anything from DC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I'm still recovering from his Superman run. Uh, we, dude, we all are. It's, it's been, uh, you know, especially because there was such a huge juxtaposition between Peter J. Tomasi's run and then Bendis. Yes. Like we're getting gold as opposed to like tin. It was, it was yeah. such a, a gnarly change. So, yeah, I, I. Uh, I'm hard pressed to think that like I don't know if we if we were to get a Bendis run just you know without Peter J. Tomasi's run, um, it may have been received a little bit better. But because we got something so well done and then Bendis on Superman, it was it was like it was and then he even aged harder. up John Kent and made it like imply like Lois Lane was cheating on Clark Kent with Lex Luthor, and I'm like, <sighs> what? Again, Another, going back to what we said earlier, who is editing these books? <laughs> yeah, it was like, man, it, it was so tough because it's the classic trope of the bad father, you know, like yeah. the bad dad. Like uh, um, Jor-El is a bad dad. Superman, Clark Kent is a bad dad. Like no one has, there's, there are no male role models in, in Bendis's run. So it's like, God, man. And it's like I, I'm sure, and I remember Wes's favorite scene is when uh, is when Joel just takes John Joe Kent, uh, I mean yeah. John Kent on on a trail, and Superman's cool with it. Yeah, he's just like, okay, yeah, take my son. I'm like, you know, wait a second. Wife. First off, going back to what you said about bad fathers, Superman should be the best father ever. Yeah, he's Superman, and he was raised by well, he was raised by. Uh, Jorel, in a way, you know, but not not Bendis's Jorel, because Bendis's Jorel yes. is kind of like insane. I don't know. Yeah, I, he was I evil. Get, yeah, I get weird vibes from him, and 
Um, but then he was also raised by Pa Kent, who is like the role model for father figures, you know? Um, so it, it really, he, Superman should be one of the best fathers out there, which is why Peter J. Tenassi's run did so well, because it was about fatherhood. So, uh, so go, going back, uh, back to my favorite Marvel runs. Okay. So oh, yeah, the, number two is another Bendis book. Oh it's my gosh. <laughs> Avengers versus X-Men. Oh, really? Okay. I've heard because a lot of polarizing things. Because I'm a huge fan of the X-Men. And mm -hmm. I love the idea of... Because I think that's the closest Marvel can get to Injustice. And it's the whole idea about mm -hmm. how... It was It was another way of doing a Civil War story without doing Civil War. And, and okay. I, I think that if they could have labeled that Civil War 2, it would have been way better than the actual Civil War 2. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, I love the design for, like, Scott Summers as the Phoenix. I was like, that is so cool. As opposed to, yeah, what they're doing with the Phoenix now and some of the costumes that they have for... Where the... Phoenix is Thor's mother. I'm like, what? <laughs> Again, who's editing this book? Yeah. Yeah. It's... I haven't been keeping up with the most recent Phoenix, so I can't speak to that. Excuse me. But, um, yeah, the Avengers, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men um is will definitely go down in history as like one of the one of the larger events that uh that really you know took took comics by storm so yeah and then number three is house of x powers of 10 because oh yeah my thing because and comic story and actually explained this perfectly one of the reasons why he wasn't a big fan of the x-men is because it's always the same story over and over and over again the x-men save mm -hmm. everyone the x-men don't trust uh, the humans don't trust the x-men the x-men save everyone the, the humans don't trust them anymore. Where with this one, it's like uh, the X-Men were like, okay, we're just going to go live on an island and be our own island nation. just mm. And just like saying, screw all of you. Yeah. There are, um, there are like with the House of, House of X, Powers of X, the where it could have gone, I think had a ton of potential too, because like we never really even got to see the fruition of like, that come to fruition, I guess. Um, and so I, now Krakoa has just been played, preyed upon so heavily that like, I'm so sick of Krakoa by this point. Um, but that original idea of them being on Krakoa, I think was a great creative um, outlook on it. So yeah, when it first started, yeah, absolutely. When I think, when I think when it first started, everyone was on board, but now they've just kind of, push it in the ground it's like oh Krakoa again um, yeah, but yeah that's a great event yeah and uh, I'm like there were some ideas that I wasn't a big fan of like Scott Summers Jean Grey and Wolverine being in a threesome relationship <laughs> yeah. and I was like again who is that I, yeah it's kind of funny the who is editing this book can basically be copy pasted into every time I read one of these incidents because mm. it's like what what well, there why is this happening yeah, they're supposed to be the, not the gatekeepers, but the, the final say before, like, the, the, that's why they're, they're called editors. They're supposed to edit yes. this stuff down to be able to say, is this within continuity? Is this within character continuity, not just story continuity? Um, is, you know, it's much more than just, oh, I'm going to change this punctuation because grammatically it looks better. Like, no, there are the, uh, the historians of these tales um, that, are, that are having to make sure that everything lines up correctly. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of them just don't care. Yeah, they're obviously not doing their jobs. All right, now <laughs> I, I actually have two more quick questions. 
So now the, going back to Superman, and, and this is a debate that's been going on the channel for so long. I even asked Wes this question. Ooh. Now, and this will determine if we can remain friends. Right. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. <laughs> All right. Who does who do, who does Wonder Woman work in a relationship with more? Superman or Batman? Hmm. First I'll ask, what did Wes say? <laughs> Wes said Batman. Really? Because okay. he likes the whole opposite detract thing, but I'm like, ugh. No, okay. like for, for me, it's it's very um it's very simple. I think Wonder Woman w- would work better with Superman. I yes! think <laughs> Thank you! I, I think Wes and I will have to disagree on this one. I think so with with Wonder Woman, I th- honestly think she works best. That was a great run. That I was a fantastic. Yeah, we actually could cover this entire storyline in the show, and oh, oh cool. it's actually really good. Speaking of good Wonder Woman stories too, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, right on, brother. That that is such a great pull, and uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that is uh, an kind of a gem that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, but it was, you know, short-lived, but it was really fun when I read it. I had I had a blast uh, picking that up every week and, and getting, or every month and getting to read that. The hilarious but, part is on the Instagram, I posed the question, uh, who, who does one woman fit with, Superman or Batman? A mm-hmm. lot of them said, said Batman. And then I said, but if you read the, the comic book series, Superman, Wonder Woman, and then someone, and then people legitimately posted, there was a, there was a comic book series? Yeah. And then to the point where I'm like, all right, lad, we're doing episodes on this. We got to do this. It's an emergency. Dude, I, I'm so excited because now I'm, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to go head over to your channel and watch that video. I have a whole uh, playlist. I have a whole playlist okay. of all the volumes, oh. all the romantic histories of the two. We actually had a debate recently on, uh, on why the Wonder Woman Batman thing doesn't work. And I said, Okay, as an Elseworlds, it's fine as an Elseworlds because then you can change the characters to fit each other. And they've done that before with Dark Knight's Metal or something like that. But Mm -hmm. main continuity Batman, particularly taking into account Tower of Babel, where Batman has a plan to kill every member of the Justice League, it will not work, particularly when you take into account that Wonder Woman's whole central tenet is truth. Mm -hmm. And Batman lies to people every single time (laughs) he opens his mouth. The other thing with Batman, and uh, I I was talking to uh, Joshua McDonald. Um, He's been on the aficionados every now and then. But Josh is a huge Batman fan. And, like, uh, I think he actually likes Nightwing the most. Like, that's his his favorite of the Batman. Nightwing. Yeah, who doesn't love Nightwing? But um, what what he and I came to the conclusion of is we were talking about, like, what would Batman be, like, in a relationship and he he can't he can't be in a relationship yeah. because the relationship that he's in right now is one with Gotham, um, mm-hmm. like the, the the relationship that he has is solely to protect Gotham. To like, he, he's obsessed with trying to uh, enact vengeance upon every criminal within Gotham, and he will never give up his fight until the day that, or, or until the day that he dies. He'll never give up that fight and so even if he had a woman at his side she would go insane because he would never take care of her he'd never be around he would always be fighting for gotham and not for her so i think that would be the reason why wonder woman would say listen this thing isn't working out 
But, so. There was this great series, and I use this as evidence. And so, well, first off, I, I actually, la my co-host gave, gave me my piece of evidence for me. He was trying to use it. So there's that scene in Justice League where, where Wonder Woman's coming on a Batman, and he goes, first, uh, uh, dating in the team always leads to issues. I'm a rich kid with issues, and you're an immortal princess. So <laughs> I'm like, Vlad, you're giving me my evidence for me. Then there was that comic book series that did. It's called Wonder Woman Brave and the Bold. I forget who, who wrote it. But anyway, Wonder Woman and Batman go into, like, an alternate dimension for 10 years. Mm -hmm. 10 years their time. So, they have this thing. The, the issue ends with them leaning in like they're going to kiss. And then, the funny part is that the next issue is Wonder Woman and Batman both saying, no, this won't happen. This will never happen. It's yeah. almost like DC is telling these people, not going to happen. It's, yeah, as much as people want to play the will-they-won't-they they game, it's not, it should, at least in my opinion, it shouldn't happen. and It wouldn't be a good relationship. Batman, it would last all of 10 seconds. Exactly. They might kiss, and then they might realize, you know what, this isn't great. Um, but in the Justice League animated series, like, they hint at it. They, like, flirt all the time, mm -hmm. you know? But ultimately, like, like we were saying before, like, yeah, Batman is is not one to date someone he, he just that's not his character he's not going to want to be with someone he's too involved in his fight against gotham so i mean we, we all know how much trouble he has dating selena kyle so that's not exactly yeah. um, even she's a better match for batman right yeah yeah and even they won't get together so yeah and, and even yeah and once again going back to see my one woman series uh, i told lad I have an entire, I have five volumes of evidence on why this works more than, because also here's the thing, we've, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman, the only ones where their relationship has gotten an incontinuity story. Oh yeah, yeah. Bat, they've True. never done that with, with Batman and Wonder Woman. So I'm like, it's not going to work. And chances are, it, it's, it's an interesting concept. And then uh, my co-host brought up, well, she could change Batman. Batman is never going to change. <laughs> DC One is second. never going to change their cash cow that if they stop publishing Batman, the joke goes around comic book shops and close down. Oh, so true. Yeah. If, if they got rid of Batman, DC would be dead in the water. There would be nothing left for them to sell at that point in time. Particularly with their current writing staff, but that's besides the point. Exactly. Um, sorry if you uh, heard any noise earlier. That was... Uh, um, that was my my cat letting himself out of the room. So oh, okay. All right. Last question. So and this is kind of a more general one. What inspired you to start your YouTube channel? Uh, that's a that's another great question, man. Um, these are these are all great. So for me, I was I was still active military about mm -hmm. a year ago. I I only got out. Uh, well, I got out probably nine months ago now. Hey, congratulations. Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so as of, yeah, at the time of, of this video, probably nine or nine or 10 months. And so when I got out, I had uh, now had the opportunity, I had time to get back into my hobby of like reading comic books again. So, um, you know, I started pulling out all my old trade paperbacks and all, all my old single issues. And I was still collecting, but not as much as I wanted to. So I said, now that I'm out of the Marine Corps, I'm just going to go all in and really make this hobby more of a passion than just kind of a side side thing. And as I was reading all of these comics, um, old and new, I started gathering this new appreciation for them, um, but started to realize just kind of how 
uh, odd it was to see the, the new stuff. Um, and there was something that didn't feel right. I, I didn't understand what it was. And I was looking through um, kind of why, why I felt off, why some of these more modern comics weren't making me feel the same way that I used to when I would read them. And I was like, maybe it's me, maybe it's just my time in the Marine Corps that I have a new outlook on reading comic books and that might just be it. But then I went to YouTube and I was watching all these comic book um, you know, creators and YouTubers that were doing reviews on books and saying the same exact things that I were feeling or that I was feeling. And so I finally had a place where I was like, oh my gosh, this is, th that's exactly why they were putting words to my feelings. Um, and so I started really getting into all these YouTube channels and I finally decided with the time on my hands, why not start vocalizing my opinion as well? Because who knows, you know, what is going to happen to our hobby. Um, and, and that's not just comic books. We're now seeing that with the Lord of the Rings. We're now seeing that with Star Wars and Star Trek, like almost everything that we've been fans of is now being taken over by activism and politics. And um, so, it, and a lot of, you know, I said that on the Reggie, uh, Reggie show and a lot of people did not like me for saying that, but, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so like I said, I, I started becoming friends with uh, Gary from Nerdrotic, uh, Wes from Thinking Critical, um, all these really great channels that have gathered so much information and a great following from, from uh, the comic book collecting community um, that, that I just said, you know what, all right, it's time for me to, to start my own and um, go from there. And then thankfully everyone's been super responsive and, and the, uh, the channel has been growing great. And um, I have opportunities to meet people like you, man, which is super fun because yeah. we get to talk about the stuff that we love, you know? And uh, so it's, it's been a good, good start. Good. Like what? Probably six or seven months now um, that uh, it's just been doing this channel. So it's been great. Yeah. I've been doing my, my channel for about two years. And the reason why it's been like, kind of slowish is because I was doing school at the time so I had to yeah. focus on that and do like and, and, and be able to graduate and everything I did do mm -hmm. that so I'm like okay so now now I'm trying to like devote more time into this because let me put it this way conceivably I could make I, I this could be my, my full-time job just talking about this stuff and meeting awesome people like you just um just talking about all this stuff that has helped me through some really rough times in life mm -hmm. That's such a great point, man. Yeah. And uh, if, if uh, th there have been people that just blow up overnight and other people who grind for years, but ultimately if it is their passion and they end up making money from it, like, dude, that's, that's the, that's the end game. That's the goal, you know, is to be able to talk about something that you love, create and turn your passion into something that you can earn, uh, or earn a salary or earn an income from it. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to, um, looking through, uh, some of your library, man, because it sounds like you've got some great stuff, some great videos. So I'll have to look through those and, and, uh, you know, catch the, the re-recording or whatnot, or the, the stream, uh, later so that I can watch them and then I'll get back to you and go, oh man, we got to do another video about this, or we got to talk Absolutely. about Absolutely. You're so. always well, 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 great. <laughs> It's cool, kind of yeah, surreal, thanks. though, because I've been watching you guys for a while and, and to get to talk to you guys. It's, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity. 
Oh gosh, no. I mean, if anything, Wes is a celebrity. Yes, <laughs> you know. He, Dude, yeah. I was so nervous for that interview because I've been watching it for like two years and I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, Wes has had, I mean, because Wes was the first channel that I found actually. Like he, he was my first introduction into all of this stuff. Did you, so were you um, like watching some of his reviews or were you watching, yeah. what, what kind of- I started, of actually, here's how I started with him because I was doing a video on how to fix Marvel. We, we were doing an episode mm. on how to like repair Marvel at the time. And I, I just Googled it and his video where he was talking with Perch about it mm -hmm. came up and I was like, I like this guy. And then I saw his podcast and I was like, I like podcasts. I might as well just check out what they had. And then uh, I was very entertained by Doc and uh, I, I, I asked. <laughs> and like, the, the only thing I disagree with them is their hatred for, for Zack Snyder, but that's besides the point, so. Dude, yeah, I, I will say I, I give you props and I feel bad because there are a lot of people who hate on Snyder um for no and, reason too it's like okay so uh yeah I, hey i give you uh like i said i give you props and credit for sticking true to your guns because uh with all the all the hate out there and everyone saying this or that like for you to be so solid and like no this is my justice league you know i, I love that that's cool yeah because ultimately he, he, here's the thing the justice league specifically the, the snyder cut is the most important superhero movie in my life because i told you I have a very intimate connection to the league because mm -hmm. of all these early experiences with pain and suffering and then having them to help me escape. So when I saw the Snyder cut, I was like, finally, I finally have the team. <laughs> and, it really and, is. Oh, yeah. The first. And when I tell people that here's the thing, you can hate Zack Snyder. You wouldn't have the, the Wonder Woman or Aquaman that you apparently love were it mm -hmm. not for Zack Snyder. True. That is very true. He did kind of come up with those those uh, archetypes of them in film, like adaptation, I guess. So, um, and if you look at all the things that, that that they critique him for, like he shouldn't have done Justice League so soon. That was all Warner Brothers. They yeah. wanted to, to to keep up with the MCU, so it, it, it was mm -hmm. nothing like he wanted to write a Justice League movie. He he would have been fine just doing Man of Steel and leaving. Mm, yeah, the uh, yeah, it, it seems like it's another thing where it's like the corporations you know of warner brothers or whatnot same thing with like the comic books it's the editorial staff or the publishing yes. companies that are kind of dictating what the creatives are doing which makes it seem like the creatives are like tarnishing a lot of this stuff which there there are creators that are bad writers or bad storytellers <laughs> i don't know man. i have to say that J joss did a an amazing avengers movie you know what i mean like when when that first Avengers film came out, like that was that was the first time we had seen seen a superhero team like that on on screen, other than the X Men film, I think. So. And then he did Avengers two, and everyone got sad again. Yeah, and then they didn't really. It wasn't, I was know. like, uh, I don't like that because first off, you pair the Hulk with Black Widow. What? Yeah. When Steve was... Rogers is right there, you just <laughs> set that up in Winter Soldier. Fantastic movie. Yes, Winter Soldier really truly i think maybe one of the best if it wasn't for infinity war i think winter soldier would be the best marvel mcu film my dad and i recently completed a watch through like every mcu movie and after we finished watching infinity nice. war the end of infinity war where everyone's dead he turns to me and he goes man well, walking out of that theater must have been like a surreal experience because it if, if you remember the experience it was dead quiet dude it was like it was so chilling 
because like every, no one knew what to do. Like everyone just stayed in their seats because they were like, what, how am I supposed to feel? Like no, no movie in, in recent history that I can think of has ever done that before. Um, the only movie that I can think of where um, I got like chills, but it was chills of like hope and inspiration were the Lord of the Rings trilogy like films, but um, chills of like sorrow and confusion and mm-hmm. like um, grief was Infinity War, where you were like, yes. I don't know what to think right now. Uh, so it was very, very polarizing for a lot of people, but uh, still a and beautiful they story. Up. And they followed up with Endgame where everyone comes back to life and Captain America is finally wielding the hammer. Which was, I mean... Oh my gosh! Though, yeah, though I, I do enjoy Infinity more, more than uh, Endgame, that scene alone was just such... It was, it was really a, a big, you know... Uh, my favorite Marvel character is Captain America. So to okay. see him finally get that moment... Because they tried to... Because they kind of hinted at it in, in, in uh, Age of Ultron. Which, yeah, by the yeah. way, w- was a bastardization of the Age of Ultron storyline. But uh, I digress. Yeah. But to see him finally whip that hammer and just completely go to town on Thanos, I was like, <laughs> thank you, Russo brothers. Thank you. You got to give it to him. They, they were able to provide that fan service to the audience when he picked up that hammer. And, you know, Thor's like screaming. He's going, yeah, you know. Like, I knew it. Yeah, yeah I knew it. <laughs> that's, that's right. And then so, uh, on your left, and then everyone comes through the portal. And I was like, you know, it's kind of interesting now. The Chadwick Boseman coming through the portal kind of hits it a lot different now. Dude, oh, my God. I never even thought – I because I, I haven't gone back and watched those movies. So I'm going to have to do that now that you say that. Oh, that hurts That hurts my heart, bro. But, yeah, it it's – a lot different. For sure. I, I can believe that. But. All right, so that's – I think we're, we're going to call it a, a, an episode for that one. Max, you're, you're always welcome on the show. This was awesome. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'm honored to, um, you know, be able to be on here and, and talk with you, especially after talking with Wes as your, as your yeah. last uh, interview. You know, so um, – but, yeah, we'll definitely do this soon, brother, and I look forward to seeing where uh, your channel grows and where it goes um, because, obviously, you – uh, are so passionate about this stuff and you have such a great outlook on everything that. Um, that it was really cool getting to talk to you and get to know you. So Absolutely. looking forward to future, future videos. Thank you for responding to your Instagram DMs. Oh, of course, dude. I, yeah, I've, I've DM people before and they don't respond and it, it's kind of like, yeah, it sucks. But sometimes super, people are super busy, but thankfully, um, you know, I'm always up for doing stuff like this. So I love it. Awesome. Ho- hope you guys enjoyed the, this awesome interview. And I hope I see the views come in like I did for the West interview. I have high (laughs) expectations now. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, uh, Have a great weekend. Stay heroic. And uh, see you guys next week. See ya.